for me at the time, I was like, how much would I be prepared to pay for a bar of soap? And it was just a, it was just consideration. It's like, you know, beyond, I mean, in the UK, it's six pounds, in the US, it's $10. Beyond that, it starts to sound expensive. And, um, you know, and I think, the, you know, we, we, we weren't not which we're not greedy. It's you know, we're not being greedy. You know, it's um when you look at bars of soap that cost thirty dollars, or if you look at a moisturizer that costs fifty dollars or sixty dollars, or an SPF that'll cost thirty, forty dollars, you know, those guys are making huge margins on those. It's um, you know, it's it's about not being greedy. And we've just gone through a piece of work within the business now where we've got um we're gonna have five or six new cleansing bars coming out. So we're super excited about that. And we've made a conscious decision that even though some cost more to produce, we're gonna keep them all the same price. Welcome to the Glam and Grow Podcast. I'm your host, Takara Suet, head of partnerships at Wavebreak. On this show, we talk with leaders of beauty, fashion, and lifestyle brands. We dive into their stories, lessons learned, and perspectives on how the industry is ever evolving. Subscribe and join us each week as we glam and grow. This episode is brought to you by Wavebreak. Most brands don't email right and it costs them. With ad costs getting more and more expensive, a world-class email and SMS program is essential. This is why Wavebreak exists. We're the premier email and SMS marketing agency that helps brands take their retention programs to the next level. If you want to learn more about partnering with us and how we can help, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co slash call. Joining me today on Glam and Grow is Philip Taylor, founder and CEO of Carbon Theory. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. No problem. All a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I love the accent. Where Where are you from? <laughs> um, I am from the northeast of England, so okay. um, a town called Durham. Um, so it's a it's a northeast accent. Um, yeah. So it's. I was uh, going to say it sounds a little different than the conventional. It's different. It's um, when I. It's funny. Whenever I'm in the US, people sometimes think I'm Scandinavian. Okay. But, um, yeah. That it, it it sounds like a hybrid accent. So that's why I wasn't. I wasn't sure. So. <laughs> Sorry for my initial question. Love the accent, but okay. Thank so you, let's you. start around 2017. So we don't get your entire life story. Um, you were a real estate executive at the time. So talk to me about how you made this, this pivot into the space of skincare. When was that moment? Tell me a little bit about your, your time in real estate and then how you made this shift. Right. So, so actually, no, I wasn't a real estate. That was pr- a lot. It was prior to me. Um, okay. So I'm already wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All so right, you I'll tell me. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give you a little synopsis. When I left school, um, I was um, an engineer. Um, I was in the industry for seven years. I was always manuf- um, fascinated by how um, you know, manufacture a product. So I've always had that ingrained in me. I love products. Um, from there, I pivoted into real estate. I was in real estate for around five years. Um, I loved selling. Um, it was it was a great way to meet fantastic people, and I, I gained so much experience doing that. And from that, um, I actually paid on the UK's version of The Apprentice. Um, Very the cool. TV show. So, um, uh, yeah. So did not you the win? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. I was I was kicked. I was kicked out week eight. Um, okay, that's pretty far. Was, it's not bad. It's not bad. But I was kicked out for um, chasing a young lady. And we have been together for 14 years ever since. So, the, oh my God, I, I love that. Yeah, I was, I, I took my eye off the ball apparently. And um, yeah, so that was it. But hey, big things happen. <laughs> well, you did happen. win. So, worked yeah, yeah. Out. exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah. And then after The Apprentice, I moved to London and I started to work for um, a sports agency. And from there, I'd spent three years working with great brands like Nike and Coca Cola doing sports sponsorship. And then from there, I went to work for um, Westfield, the big mall group. Um, it's global. Um, yeah. And I was working in the commercial partnerships team there. And it's that's when um, I had the hairbrained idea to create this um, black charcoal bar of soap. And that's where it all began. And was there a personal need for it or or why why this specific product and why well, this time? It was. I'd, I'd been doing a lot of reading in the press. Um, and, you know, acne is such an emotive topic. And a lot of people, I mean, majority of the population of the world can connect with it. And um, every time I was, I'd open a newspaper or a magazine, there was always a piece on acne. And it got me thinking around when I was younger. I used to suffer with breakouts across my forehead and across my chin. And it was always a classic scenario where you would go to the pharmacy and when, when I was younger, there was only um, Clearasil and brands like this, these big pharma brands. And to the point where I went and looked, and it was still pretty much a similar situation in UK pharmacies. And it just got me thinking about why isn't there a product with simple, natural, active ingredients 
that gets your skin as clean as possible and has the healing power of tea tree oil because tea tree oil for me was the one thing that always worked when I was younger. Um, and and with that, I was like, if we can, if I can create this magical product, well, it's got to look really cool. It's got to look technical. It's got to look like it's just come off the shelf because, you know, beauty is um, such a busy space. There's new brands popping up every week. And at this particular point, I was like, what is going to stand out on shelf? And at this particular time, bar soap, um, particularly for the face, hadn't been popular for a long time. And it just got me thinking, well, what if it was a really cool black bar of soap in a really cool pouch that was on the shelf? And that's where it all began. So I um, I purchased some ingredients online and I started watching YouTube videos. And I started making um, soap in the kitchen sink um, in Islington in London. And it's incredibly messy. Um, it's actually not that much fun. It's actually quite dangerous. Um, but what I did manage <laughs> to create was these um, first samples of carbon theory, these these little products, um, which I shared with some friends and colleagues at work. And the feedback was incredible. So it was um, that was what gave me the um, the ambition to take it forward and uh, look for a commercial manufacturer for the brand. Okay, very interesting. So when you launched, you weren't making these in your kitchen. You were you you had pivoted. No, 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 ab- absolutely not, absolutely not. And the thing for me was when. This was all happening. It was never, ever my intention to have a beauty brand. It was to have a single product that was a side hustle that oh, I could sell to Boots in the UK or whoever. And I'd always, I always said at the time, if Boots in the UK aren't interested, I'm not interested in moving forward with it. I, I didn't have the intention of having a sort of lifestyle business or a cottage business that was a side thing. It was either go big or go home, effectively. And um, when I approached the uh, manufacturer, uh, a great company called Soapworks in the UK, the company was set up by Anita Roddick, who founded The Body Shop. Um, as oh, a social wow. In the 80s. So these guys make the best soap in the world. They make Body Shop soap. They make the soap for Buckingham Palace. And they helped me develop the <laughs> that's a That's a flex. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, they helped me develop the commercial formulation uh, of the product. And um, with that, I purchased 200 samples and I paid them 200 pounds. Um, one pound each for a bar, and I um, mocked up some packaging. I bought some um, white pouches um, off the shelf, and then I created the brand Carbon Theory. And um, Carbon Theory, the name was always about the carbon for the charcoal and the theory of its effectiveness on the skin, effectively. Um, interestingly, when I went to buy the domain carbontheory.com, it was actually owned by a, a rock band, a heavy metal band, actually, from Idaho. <laughs> oh, and, wow. Um, yeah, it's a great name. Exactly. Exactly. And I reached out to them. I found them on Facebook and they hadn't been gigging for a while. And uh, I dropped them a note and I said, look, I said, I'm trying to set up a, a business here. So would you be interested in selling your domain? I said, I don't have much money. I said, I've got enough to buy you a, a few beers and some free bars of soap. And this guy <laughs> messaged back. He just said, how many bars of soap are we talking? And the guy, <laughs> sold us, the guy sold us the domain for $150. Wow. So um, yeah, what a nice guy. We're still in touch today, which is really sweet. Oh, that's cool. That's really yeah, yeah. cool. I'm curious. So you bring this formula that you made yourself. Did they sort of take your your formula and essentially punch it up? Were they pretty impressed with what you'd done, or did you? you know, with, with, with what I'd done, this sort of with teacher, you've got to work within certain parameters. You can't go crazy with it because it's um you know it is a very um uh, it's an incredible active ingredient, but you can't too much of it could could be a bad thing. So we wanted to produce a, a product that was mild enough to be effective, um, and then. And they were the experts in helping me get the max out of the tea tree oil, combining that with other ingredients like shea butter um, to ensure that the bar was also hydrating because there is a perception around bar soap for the face that it can be quite drying. Um, and then again, it was sourcing the right charcoal for the product and they helped me combine it all together. So from a chemist level, um, you, you know, it's uh, they were the guys that I can give the credit to for coming up with the magic. Yeah. And I'm curious what made you, I know you mentioned in the past, like bar soap was popular is there a reason why you wanted specifically it to be Barso? Sorry, so, yeah. So this was a thing at the time. Barso wasn't particularly popular, and for me, it was like if I could present it in a different form, I can make it look cool. It's like, can we make soap cool again? Mm. And um, you know, I like to think that, that that's what we did. We created this beautiful pouch. Yeah, I think you did. Sat in. It's the first time that I'd seen a bar of soap stood up on a shelf. Um, the pack itself is like a mini billboard. It's a resealable pack. Um, and it just looked com- completely contemporary. It looked completely different. It looked technical. Um, I'm a huge um, fan of Nike since I was a kid, since Air Jordan. I collect vintage Nikes. Um, I'm being very fortunate in my lifetime that through previous role of work with Nike, 
through carbon theory. We did a huge event with Nike um, two months ago. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, we did a big yoga event down at Battersea Power Station with the backdrop of the power station there. Um, and it, so I've got, this, I've got this incredible relationship with Nike. So it's been a pleasure to work with them. And I was like, if we make a bar of soap, if Nike made a bar of soap, what would it look like? And that was some <laughs> sort of um, inspiration as to what the product could actually feel and look like. Yeah, I definitely want to dive into branding and, and packaging and all of that. Um, yeah. I think the packaging is phenomenal. But I'm curious, how did it go, you know, at a high level from, you know, this essentially the side hustle to not only a, a you yeah, know, a full on brand and, and product launch? So what happened was the um, I created a little small presentation deck um, for Boots and told them this was the best thing uh, since sliced bread. <laughs> and uh, I got a very kind email back and he said, hey, look, we, we think that it um, it looks interesting. Would you like to come and see us? So I went up to Nottingham to make boots um, with me with me little samples and we mocked up um, packaging. Um, and the feedback was just great. They were just like, look, we think it's a really, really strong concept. Um, we have a category called Beauty Finds. Um, so Boots is, is Europe's biggest pharmacy um, in the UK. They have around 1,200 stores. Um, they said, we'll give you 120 stores to launch a, the product in, in a single product. And you've got 12 weeks to sell as much as possible. And No pressure. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and they also informed me that only one in 20 brands ever manages to get a, a full-time listing in Boots after being in this category. Were they trying to deter you or just being really They were honest? just being honest. Because there, there was a level of investment that we, I had to put into it with Boots as well to have the opportunity, um, which comes with the territory. Um, so they were being honest about it. Um, so what happened was the, the product, um, launched the boots on Valentine's day in 2018, February 4th, 2018. That's correct. Um, and that's where the journey began. So, um, I was walking around London, going into every boot store I could find to see the product on the shelf. Um, the first five I went into, it wasn't there. And this is one of the challenges working with retailers, you know, it's like your priority is not their priority. So I <laughs> beg these guys to, to put the product out on the shelf. Um, oh, I thought came, maybe because it sold, it just wasn't. It, well, out. no, it just what they hadn't put it out. That was half the problem. Um, and then I got into trouble with Boots because I found every um, store manager's email address. I emailed 120 of them, introduced myself, and said, "Look, I'm super excited to work with you." I got me wrist slapped for that because apparently I'm not allowed to contact them. Um, but the product went into the market, and the product started to sell. So it was selling um, moderately well. You know, it wasn't doing anything crazy. You got to think it's a single product on the bottom shelf of. You know, not the best stores um, that were there, but it was selling, which was key. So um, the product was out there. I think we were sort of three or four weeks in. And um, my business partner, Stuart, he is a formerly head of video for ASOS, the big online um, clothing retailer. He really understands um, what teen and millennial consumers and Gen Z consumers are looking for in terms of creative. So he helped us pull together the real aesthetic um, in terms of digitally for the brand. So we used to sneak into um, ASOS's uh, studio on an evening um, and take <laughs> on the that. carbon theory. Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of hustling going on. Yeah. Um, and fortunately at the time, um, he also introduced us to our friend Charlotte, who was going to help us out with some, some PR coverage. So the product was, was selling away. And then what happened was the magic happened when we started to get messages through our Instagram page. And it was these young kids who was sending these before and after transformations, which I just couldn't believe. I could not believe what I was seeing. And I'm always completely honest. I never knew how good the product was actually. It was, but it was transforming these kids' skin. Wow. Inflammation, really harsh breakouts. And in some cases, the, the, the space of seven days in terms of reducing redness, and then two, two weeks, three weeks, and completely clearing, clearing the skin. And how did that was, feel for you? Oh, I mean, it was magical. I mean, and the thing is, it's, I mean, I know it sounds dramatic, but the amount of messages that we get with it is this product changed my life. No, I think, I think especially in an acne journey, it's a very emotional, like you, I I mean, you really feel, I I can relate when I was younger, like you just don't even want to leave the house. So you, it really is a, a life-changing thing. And listen, we, we, we're not naive enough to think that, you know, a, a bar of soap can cure any form of acne. And because, you know, we know that medically it is in, it's deeply ingrained in some cases, but what it, the product was doing was performing on um, the consumers that were picking the product up. So that's the, that's the best um, feedback we could get. And in particular, these before and after transformations, so powerful, incredibly powerful. So, we said to Charlotte, we said, look, we've got these incredible images. Can you help us get some coverage? Is there any, anybody you can reach out to? So we had a few little pieces that went out um, in some magazines in the UK. 
And she said, oh, well, I'll reach out to Mail Online. So MailOnline.com is the world's biggest read publication. And um, she said, um, I'll reach out to them and see them. This was two or three weeks. And when I, we still have our own direct-to-consumer website. And I used to keep the soap under my desk at work. So when I got an order, I'd just wrap it up in, in a package and take it down <laughs> to the post office. And I used to get, you know, five or six orders a day. Um, and then this particular day, I was sat at work, working away, and my phone just started to beep. And it was at Shopify um, cash tone. And, it's a great sound. <laughs> and there was I, we had 10 orders before lunchtime. And I, I said to me, pal, I said, hey, look at this. I said, 10 orders. I was going to be killing it. And then it just started to go absolutely insane, insane. And it's like, honestly, the only way I can describe it is I've been in a movie, that moment where there is that, just that incredible moment where your life just transforms. And it literally happened in, in that section of the office. And um, the phone just started going crazy. And I phoned Stu, I said, do you know why this is happening? And he said, speak to Charlotte, we spoke to Charlotte. She said, oh, the piece has gone on Mail Online. So I dropped on the mail online and the headline was Miracle Six Pound Cleansing Bar Available at Boots Transforming Teenager Skin and with all of the before and after images. And this was well- a great before- article. I read it. Oh, I mean, the headline alone. And what had happened was it had gone into the back female. It's called, you have a section called female and it had gone there. It had been shared that much. It had, re- it had flown right through and it had gone right under the banner headline on the front page. And so everybody was seeing this piece. So, um, yeah, so it was just going crazy. So by the end of the day, um, I think we'd done 3,000 orders on before I just shut our website down because we didn't have any soap left. I was I was going to say, from a logistical standpoint, how were you able to fulfill and forecast not only for this, but even well, we just, for Boots we, being... We could. It just wasn't expected. So what happened yeah. with Boots sold three months' worth of stock in three hours. So that was it was just gone. Wow. So Boots were, of course, straight on the phone, like, get us more product, get us more product. But obviously, there was a. I didn't have any packaging left, so I had. To, there was a four-week lead time on packaging, so it was about six to seven weeks before we would get product back in the boots. But what I did was I opened a pre-order um, on our own website, so we took pre-orders and we took another three thousand dollars on pre-order. People just waiting for the product to come back into stock. Um, and there's a. I haven't told this story many times, but what happened was when the initial batch of soap was made for me, and they made six six thousand bars. They said, um, oh, we've got 2,000 bars um, additional. We produce more than you. Would you like to buy them? And at the time, I said, I don't want one. I didn't have the cash for them. And I said, I don't really need them right now. Um, so I phoned the, the company back up. And I said, soap works. I said, look, we still got that soap. They said, oh, yeah. So it's out the back sort of in a, in a skip. <laughs> I, said, I said, go get the soap out the skip. And we repackaged. So we got the soap. It was fine. It was fine. It was a couple with a couple of dents in it. But well, we repackaged the uh, <laughs> soap back up and we sold the soap and it was fine. Soap's very um, robust. So it's uh, yeah. so it a bottle of something. So it was absolutely fine. But it, but it, it managed to fill the void uh, for us in that period to where we could manufacture more products. How, and get the product how fortunate that they had that overflow I know, exactly. of stock. And, That's and amazing. I had, a, I had a little production line of friends sat there putting stickers on pouches because we didn't have printed pouches. So we just got off the shelf and it was always oh, oh, wild. It was wild. That's amazing. What a great story. Um, I'm curious during this time, I would imagine, obviously you were bootstrapped, how you finessed mm. purchase orders and all of these things and how how you made it work with like such big growth so early on. Well, so being, we're very, very fortunate again that we've done this incredible um, amount of sales online through our direct-to-consumer channel. So from a, a cash um, level, we, we would, I mean, you never imagine it, but we went from sort of zero and we had sort of a fairly reasonable amount of cash in the bank um, to place that next purchase order, which was super useful. Um, and then we had some sort of uh, good terms that were manufacturers, so they were very reasonable with us. So by the time Boots had placed the purchase order, we got paid and we could pay our manufacturers. So we managed to um, factor that in that in that respect. So, um, yeah, the whole thing was bootstrapped to that point. And it wasn't until around, um, I think, eight months beyond that point, we started to get approached for investment. Um by some VCs and, and things like that, which we did actually move forward with around um, 12 months after that particular point. Yeah. Do you think going into specifically like the acne space, I'm not sure if that's how you would yeah. describe it. It really helped create like such demand where people were willing to wait months and months on end, just hoping for yeah. this miracle product. Absolutely. I mean, the the, um, the thing for me about the product was it, um, I think that's partly the problem with skincare right now is that everybody wants a skincare brand, but some but a lot of these brands don't do anything. They're just they're just products. 
they're just products. I mean, I don't. I saw a, a, a brand launch in the, in the UK this week, a brand specifically for teens, and um, you know they want to charge twenty pounds for a moisturizer, and it's for teens. I don't. I don't understand that. And it's um, and looking at the the formulations, what I'm seeing, it doesn't seem that there's anything in there that's particularly proactive in it. It's just it's wild. And then you know you you know I, I know it's a hot topic, but you look at these celebrity brands, and you just why. Just, just why? Why do I need a Travis Barker moisturizer? Like, <laughs> I know. I usually don't like to name people, but I mean, well, I mean, I don't mind. I don't mind. Yeah, you yeah. go for it. Some of them, there is zero alignment in any capacity for them to be in these spaces. Yeah, like sometimes I mean, it kind of makes sense, and then sometimes you're just like, why? <laughs> like exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I think yeah, it was I mean, working probably- for a while, and now we've sort of seen the shift of, especially consumers. They're just getting more and more educated. And then also there's more and more options. So I think the sort of fluff of whatever in whatever category it is, is sort of yeah. dissipating at this time. So I just, I just think honestly, it's um, the amount of brands that are launching week in, week out. It just blows my mind. It's just, just stop. Can we please stop and just let us all breathe a little bit? There's just, there's too much. Um, there's too many people want to be in the space and it's, um, it's it's gone from you know I you know if you went back two years ago you know with, with this whole debate around sustainability and plastic you know that thing's just gone out the window people don't care anymore they just whacking product out left right and center um, just to have a brand just to have a skincare brand and again to go back to, to the point which you mentioned it, it it had to have a purpose for me there was no point in doing something if it didn't have a purpose and it was um and we managed to create that um that special magic with our formulations that that seemed to work and we took the blueprint from the cleansing bar and that's how we started to develop our line beyond that by keeping these simple simple active ingredients um that worked in tandem um and that all products were complementary to each other um and again i'm always honest about this it's like i the, the intention was to have a one single product and then beyond that when boots started going oh we, can you get some more products and i thought oh wouldn't it be nice we'll have we'll have i don't know five to ten really strong products and that's it then we just stop and then i didn't realize that everything's about newness it's just the market just needs newness all the time all the time so um it's what are your thoughts on that i'm curious um i i've, I've again i think i've Again, being honest, it's um, this industry is inc- it's incredibly tough. It's a really, really tough industry to stand out. Um, and when you knew, like we were back then, you know, and another thing, I wish TikTok was around when we blew up because that would have been fun. I think been <laughs> oh my enough. gosh, you guys would have you would have sold all your product in an hour. <laughs> I'd have been retired on a beach somewhere. That would have been it. Yeah. But when we when we blew up, we were new, we were fresh, we were exciting. And we had this, you know, for the next sort of, I'd say, the next 18 months, two years, you know, you're flying and everyone's there. But then then the other brands start copying you. And, um, you know, our, you know, you wouldn't believe it. We were the only charcoal bar of soap and boots within the space of 18 months. They had five or six in there, including the run, including the run one. Um, and then they had big brands, um, the L'Oreal's of the world started doing it and things like that. So it's difficult. And they obviously, they make their product cheaper than yours. But we've kept our um, our position well. I mean, the um, we've been in boots for five years. We ne- we've never been a brand with huge amounts of cash to spend on marketing. Um, everything we do is predominantly organic or through great partnerships that we do quite like with the guys at Nike. Um, so it's um, with newness, unfortunately, is everything. And um, we... You know, we pressurize by retailers to, to deliver something new into the stores because they want to keep up with consumer trends and what consumers want. Um, so it's been, um, yeah, that's in terms of being a sustainable business and the stress on your cash flow to keep creating new stock is um, it's tough. It's I tough, bet. But, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, something I want to highlight um, is you you mentioned price point, although you you mentioned some of your competitors are maybe coming in at a lower price point. But I thought the price point is amazing. It's it's very yeah. affordable. How are you able to offer you know a premium product that actually works at this price point? And was that something you did with intentionality from the standpoint, especially if you're going after a younger consumer, a teenager? I feel like I mean, yeah. like even looking at some of your competition, you know, some of them it's thirty dollars, you know, plus yeah. for for a bar of soap. It's not exactly affordable, especially for a teenager. So, talk to me exactly. about your, your thought exactly. process. Be, for me at the time, I was like, how much would I be prepared to pay for a bar of soap? And it was just a, it was just consideration. It's like you know, beyond. I mean, in the UK, it's six pounds. In the US, it's ten dollars. Beyond that, it starts to sound expensive. And um, you know, and I think the you know we we. 
we weren't not we were not greedy. It's I mean, we're not being greedy. You know, it's um when you look at bars of soap that cost thirty dollars, or if you look at a moisturizer cost fifty dollars or sixty dollars, or an SPF that'll cost thirty, forty dollars, you know, those guys are making huge margins on those. It's um, you know, it's it's about not being greedy. And we've just gone through a piece of work within the business now where we've got um we're gonna have five or six new cleansing bars coming out. So we're super excited about that. And we've made a conscious decision that even though some cost more to produce, we're gonna keep them all the same price. So people can make it really? choice. Yeah, it's affordable. Um and not even not only that, even our liquid cleansers, uh, we started with a 200 mil cleanser. We've even started to produce 150 mil cleansers now. So we made them even more affordable. So um, so while a lot of brands are putting their prices up, we're trying to get ours more realistic in line with what can, where consumers are right now. Um, so we're looking more at a volume piece rather than just you know selling a product for a higher value. If you listen to this podcast, you likely know that Shopify is the go-to e-commerce platform, helping millions sell to billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing in person at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. <laughs> Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. With Shopify POS, you can take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. The best part? With Shopify POS, effortlessly unite your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash glam, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash glam to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash G-L-A-M. Now back to this episode. Let's talk about branding and packaging. Um, you know, talk to me about how it looked, I guess, in the beginning, you sort of touched on that versus how it looks now. I think the packaging is so unique. It's so clean. I love that it's Thank transparent, you. literally. I think it's, yep. I think the packaging is phenomenal, especially at the price point. It looks so, when I saw the price, I was actually shocked. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, talk to me about from a design perspective, what your vision was. Absolutely. Again, it was um, just this whole reference point about like what what would a skincare line if Nike created it look like? I think um, you love Nike. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. Um, the um, and then but the, this is the great thing. It's where Nike reached out to us because they love our branding and it's our our packaging because um, it's gender fluid. It you know it sits it sits right you know in that sort of technical area. It's um, it's commercial yet clinical, and I think that's the unique thing about it. So you've got fantastic brands out there that have this really clinical aesthetic, but we wanted to produce something that consumers understand easily. So all of our products, you have simple bullet points that say what's in the product, explains exactly what it does. Um, and this has been, uh, we've won with that in terms of a lot of parents buy our products for, for, for the kids. So when parents walk into stores, they see it on the shelf, they understand it quickly, and then, and then they pull it together. But in terms of an aesthetic, it was all about producing something that looked athletic, that looked dynamic, that looked technical, uh, but was very approachable at the same time and looked completely different to everything else on the shelf. Um, I've, you know, I've seen um, in the past couple of months, there's a couple of um, bars uh, that's popped up using the same pouch method that we use, which is, um, it's annoying, but flattering at the same time. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, it's probably a, a yeah, mixed I, reaction. I, I always like to, I, I like to think, and I like to claim that with our face mask, we were the first ones to put a, a face mask into a fluted pouch. Um, so we've got that beautiful aluminium fluted pouches, which is one being one of our um, iconic silhouettes, I guess, from our line. Um, but yeah, again, clean, clinical, but commercial. That's been the key for us. Yeah. How do you... I don't know what the word is, sort of deal with some of these, you know, copycats, so to speak. Is it sort of you drown out the noise or what is your there's, there's nothing you can do about it. Unfortunately, it's um in the in the industry that we're in. I mean, I mean the thing is now Jupin's like quite trendy. It's um, you know, it's it's 
How can you dupe something that's affordable though? I know, that seems even crazier. Yeah, I can understand, you know, some of the, you know, luxury, you know, makeup and skincare that makes sense, but this seems Yeah, exactly. But we I mean we saw a line from one of the big pharma brands that they literally lifted our aesthetic into their own thing. And whilst there might be a couple of little different changes on the product, there's nothing you can do about it. There's yeah. nothing you can do. It is what it is. You've just got to be able to um, believe in your brand and put your brand out there the best you can. And um, that's all you can do because you'll never beat them. You'll never beat the big guys. They've got too much money. Um, you've just got to do the best that you can and um, keep pushing. You know, in this space, especially the last couple of years, I feel like there's this real celebration of indie brands. Like, do you lean into that from a marketing standpoint of, you know, sort of, I feel like people don't want to sometimes always like support maybe some of these pharma brands, so to speak. Um, So do you lean into that? Um, I think we do do to a degree. Um, I'm, you know, Irrespective, you know, because I was on a TV show, the, the Apprentice, people automatically think that I love to be on camera, love to be at the forefront of everything, and I don't. I just don't. Um, I'm sort of slightly conscious that I'm, I'm a bit older than uh, than what my consumer is. Um, so I like to leave um, predominant communication in the hand of our fantastic social team, who um, are a lot younger and understand the uh, our audience a lot better than I do. I'm more the product guy. I get excited about products. I don't like. I'm not particularly want to be the guy at the forefront. I mean, you were on The Apprentice, not Love Island. I think exactly, exactly. It's a business reality show. I think it's very different. And it was a long time ago as well. It was a long time ago. Um, But I think um, from an... From a from the outside, we do present ourselves as an independent brand. I think people people get that, people understand that in the way that we communicate with them. I think what's interesting though when we talk about um, indie brands is um, is that retail where retailers talk uh, about um supporting indie brands and having indie brands come into the stores uh, it's retail it's particularly the big retail they're not built for indie brands it's um the demands now that comes with having a prime retail spot in these great retailers um it, are not built for indie brands it's it's incredibly expensive incredibly expensive to be in a big pharmacy or to be in the big beauty retailers in the u.s um it's it's a very one-sided conversation with these guys and whilst you know it's fantastic to be in there and work with them uh, I, I just want people to understand that when they do start going through this journey and they do have these ambitions to be in these great big great big retailers it is really really tough and you need deep pockets to make it happen yeah um and we hired you know we very we, i mean we've got around six to seven thousand stores globally um of retail and on reflection, I wish I had a third of them. Because we, you know, when you gifted these stores, you go, oh, fantastic. We'll take 3,000 stores of Walgreens. It's it's wonderful. But you have to back that up. You've got to go out there and really deliver across 3,000 stores. The best thing in the world would have been to start with 200 stores, 300 stores, really focus on that sort of um, locality and really get those stores pumping and then start progressing so you know what to expect, you know what's coming. So it's um we we're very privileged to have those stores, but it's um it's a big ask for a small independent brand. It's like the seven of us. I would say the seven of us. You know, it's um you know we not we don't have big VC back money. There's not thirty of us sat in here with endless pots of cash. It's uh, we are real you know hard core nose to the grindstone sort of business. It's um it's tough out there, it really is. Yeah, I love the transparency. I appreciate that. From a strategic standpoint, you know, you mentioned you'd rather have a third and you would have started. Do you think you would have, how would you have had a strategy? Would it have been by region or, um, you know, popularity yeah. of certain stores? Like, what do you think your thought process would have been? I think, yeah, of- absolutely. I think it would have been a regional strategy. I mean, it, you sort of, um, you can't really pick and choose with them. They'll give you what they, they want to give you. Um, it's just less stress to focus on these. So, I mean, for instance, if you had, say, 200 stores as opposed to 3,000 stores, with those 200 stores, you could have, um, you could take some time, and even if you visit 20 or 30% of them and get to know the managers in stores and then talk talk the team through your products, it's going to make a huge difference when somebody walks into a store looking for a product that um, – the, that has a break for, for breakouts and acne, and then go. Oh, well, actually, I met the founder of Carbon Theory. He, you know, it's a huge difference so to meet and store teams and developing that relationship with them. And then, equally to your point, yeah, looking at certain localities where you could promote. Um, so, for instance, if you had New York, you had East Coast and West Coast, you could switch your digital marketing strategy to focus on those localities, and people could find the product in those stores. When you do it so massively in the covering the whole of the US, it's a big ask. It's a big, big reach. Yeah. Speaking of the US, talk to me about 
how your expansion to the U.S. like when that happened, um, your partnership with Ulta. Um, that's yep. you know, if anyone's listening and they want to check it out, that's it, in the U.S. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that the easiest place to to find yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. All the beauty, the grit, um, all the beauty. We um, we love, we love, love, love all the beauty. We think um, of you know of all the retailers we work with, they're the most engaged with our brand. They love our brand. They're super, super friendly. They've got such a wonderful team there. Um, and when you talk about independent brands of all the retailers that we work with, um, Ulta are the ones that like do seem to care and get involved and will give you that edge. So when we launched into Ulta Beauty, we reached out to Ulta um, about three and a half years ago, three, three years ago. Um, and we were invited to go meet them in Chicago, which was a huge thrill. And sort of um, we walked in there and with this big shock and awe presentation and it just went incredibly well. And the team was so nice. And they, or they said, look, not long after that, they said, look, we'll, we'll give you a launch, we'll give you 600 stores. And not only that, Ulta had a great platform called Sparked, which was about exciting new indie brands. And when you launched in-store, they will give you additional uh, market materials for in-store. They would promote the product on the website um, and, and in their social channels as well. So what an incredible piece of um you know, marketing for your brand going into a, a brand new territory. And we launched into all that and the whole line sold out within the first week. Yeah. I mean, and you it, have over 5,700 reviews for the, for the, uh, yeah. control facial cleansing bar. That's incredible, incredible. on Ulta, yeah, yeah. not even on your own site. Yeah. And, um, so we launched in there and then after only 12 months, Ulta doubled our store count, um, to 1200 stores. So we've been, I mean, this is what gets, we've been in Ulta now for three, um, three years and, Ulta, like other retailers, it, you know, it's a competitive split. Everybody wants to be in Ulta. So if your brand isn't performing in Ulta, you won't be in Ulta very long. That's just that's just the facts. That's retail. Somebody has to go for you to come in. And um, we've been in there three years now. And we, um, again, we've never had big budgets. Um, we have worked incredibly hard. And we have the most incredible USPR team um, who have been completely compelling when providing us with these incredible TV features that we've that we've received, the incredible coverage in the media that received the, the awards. We've won two Alua Best of Beauty Awards, which still completely blows my mind. For yeah, that's amazing. Congrats. Bars of soap I was created in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but we had our, we, you know, this, this cleansing bar, um, which has now sold over 1 million units, which is bizarre to even say. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, that's that's quite the achievement. Yeah. I, that's you know, incredible. Yeah, it's wild. And um We've been featured on the Today Show, and I am an American obsessor. So I come to America on vacation like every year, every year. So I've, you know, I'm coming, I'm going to Wyoming next week, which I'm super excited. Oh, cool! About. That's yeah, awesome. So we're going around, but you know, I, I every time I come to the US, we sit and watch um and the Today Show and Good Morning America, and we love it. We absolutely love it. And then to see this product on there that, that I created in the kitchen in London, it's wild. But that, but that incredible PR is has driven a majority of our um, visibility in the US and driven sales for us in the US. And it's the most cost-effective way um, to do it because a digital strategy in the US is incredibly expensive, incredibly expensive to do. Um, and then again, influencers just cost a fortune in the US as well. But yeah, this PR, um, Books and Bureau PR US, the best, best in the business. Yeah, thanks for shouting them out. Um, <laughs> okay, so you mentioned these sort of that perfect segue into my next conversation of marketing. You know, you mentioned these lean budgets, obviously heavily leaning into PR. You, you yeah. know, you mentioned influencers have gotten expensive, although I'm curious, like, did you just like gift and it was very organic? Like, talk to me about what's worked aside from PR in terms of marketing channels, maybe digitally, what's worked best yeah. for you? Um, so the um, the influencer piece is really interesting. So one of the things that we were super proud about when um, you know we established the brand and we started retail in the UK and in the US is that for the first three years we never um, paid an influencer for content. For three years we never paid them, and we're very fortunate. We have again, as you mentioned, we've got overall I think we have about fourteen thousand reviews, uh, verified five star reviews. Um, we have. Um, an incredibly engaged community that share our content for us. Um, and then influencers, we were gift influencers and gift uh, influencers are quite happy to post. Um, obviously, as time has gone on and influencers know the value in the, um, in the market, it's, uh, it's a necessary label, unfortunately. But again, we've never done anything particularly crazy. It's, um, we work within our means. Um, we work with specific influencers who, who are honest, uh, want to give great reviews. And we work with influencers who have genuine skin concerns um, we would never expect anybody to say something nice about our product if, if they didn't believe in the product um, and didn't agree with what the product does. 
but influences for us, um, they, they have levels of effectiveness. Um, I think you'd be surprised. I know I've heard horror stories from other brands who have paid tens of thousands of dollars to work with particular talent, and it's done nothing, absolutely nothing. And then there's someone that you can speak to for $150, and it's absolutely, you know, it's killed it. Um, but again, it, it influences haven't been a real core thing for us. We And again, we haven't spent a lot of money with them. Digitally, we... Um, we like to think we produce, you know, best in class content in terms of what we do. I, I genuinely believe that our content is the best. Um, and of course, <laughs> we work that. across Meta. We obviously we explore in the world of TikTok now. Um, I feel is, like this would be viral on TikTok overnight. Yeah, we, we yeah we do our best to get out. But again, it's such a busy space, TikTok. And again, you know, there's brands out there with a lot more money than we have, and they can pay these big influencers to really blow them up on TikTok. Um, but yeah, so I guess from a digital piece, it's acquiring a customer online now is incredibly expensive. Um, it's really, really expensive. So we sort of focus our digital activity on more of an awareness piece, um, as opposed to driving someone to a particular transaction online. So that, and that supports all of our retail partnerships as well. Um, in terms of beyond influencers and digital marketing partnerships, again, are a key thing for us. Haven't, I'm not going to mention Nike again. But the um, we one of the things that we did do was is we explore a space where um, we look at what people aren't doing, I guess, and slightly annoyingly, um, women's um, football um, around three and a half years ago, we sponsored a local East London female football team called the Victoria Park Vixens, and we did a campaign around. These incredible young women that are breaking down stereotypes who create this incredible community where women come together and enjoy sport and kick footballs around and get dirty and get covered in mud. And the perfect product for post-workout cleansing is Carbon Theory. So we built it. We built a really incredible engagement platform around this women's football team. And we had um, an advertisement that we put together, a 30-second advertisement, and um, it was actually nominated for um, Best Campaign by Beauty Independent, which was an absolute thrill. Um, and this, this was wonderful. So this, at the time it got this incredible cook through because no one doing this. And then now women's football is the biggest thing in the world. And then you've got the big boys all jumping on board with it now. But what we try to do is we look for spaces where we look at talent to, um, local, um, talent, whether that be music, I mean, be a dancer, you might be an artist. And we talk to those individuals and try and create interesting content around those individuals and how our products can support their lifestyle journey. So that's what we try. We're looking at right now. Yeah, great, great ideas. Um, for anyone who's listening who's not familiar with the brand, I mean, of course, obviously your your facial cleansing bar obviously is the hero product, but I'm curious, um, talk to me a little bit more in depth on other ingredients that uh, you really gravitate towards and some of the other products you you really love. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, we're predominantly um the brand was built around a charcoal um line, charcoal and tea trail, which I guess the first sort of five or six products was embedded um, throughout that. Um, we were aware that, you know, charcoal is not going to be right for everybody and particularly tea tree. Um, so we we have a line which is effectively an anti-breakout line, which is the charcoal and tea tree. We wanted to create a line which was um, more of an everyday um, cleansing line, which therefore we create our salicylic line, um, which is short to be renamed Supercilic, which we think is a wonderful name. Um, and this is a salicylic acid, um, as everyone knows, is super, super effective, with a really light exfoliation and great for breakouts. So we've developed um, a great cleanser alongside that. We have a beautiful salicylic bar. Um, and then moving forward, we have um, coming up very, very soon, we've got our vitamin C line launching. So we've got, we've got this incredible... Um, Vitamin C cleansing bar and caffeine. Vitamin wow. C caffeine coming up, yeah. A so we wanted to something that was great um, for, um, we want to support that whole skin journey. So once you've sort of managed to relieve yourself of breakouts, then this vitamin C line it is never great. Ends. <laughs> <laughs> and you get um, wrinkles and all the yeah. other problems. <laughs> exactly. So we've got hyperpigmentation we want to help support. Um, but we wanted to add caffeine into this vitamin C. It's all about brightness. It's all about energy. We want people to get up in the morning, use these products and feel really, really great. Um, so we've got those coming up. And then we're moving even further forward with our super cleansing bars. We're going to have super food coming out, which is we wanted to provide a real everyday lightweight cleansing bar. Um, so we're super excited about the lines that we've got coming. Um, niacinamide cleansing bar we've got coming also, which is going to be great for sort of blackheads and um, clearing those pores. 
Um, so yeah, so as we expand in the line vastly, um, we in a very um, high development phase at the moment of, of, of products. So I think we're going to have another ten to fifteen products within the next twelve months, which is super. Oh super wow! Super. Wow! Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's gone wild. And one of the um, the nice things about this redevelopment phase is carbon theory has looked the same pretty much for the last uh, five years. And what we've noticed in particularly the market is color is a huge factor now. Everybody, we've gone from sort of this super clinical level to a really colorful and bright um, aesthetic. And what we wanted to do was really reinvent, not reinvent, keep the magic of carbon theory, but just add some color to it. And when you see it, it's going to blow your mind. It looks incredible. With so you're changing the packaging even from the way it sits today. Yeah. Because yeah. I love it. <laughs> Right. So, yeah, no. I love it the way it is. I'll give you. I'll give you this sneak. It's sneak peek. Okay. Okay. So still, still holding the the exactly, DNA brand exactly. for sure. Okay. Yep. Good. I'm glad. I was going to be upset. Yeah. Well, these we got. So are these new um, products going to be launching in Ulta in February next year? And when we showed Ulta, Ulta was super excited about it because. What's unique about we we like to think we're the kings of the cleansing bar, and um, we um, it took us a while to get there. Um, you know, in terms of financing and challenges and um, product development, having the time to even sit down and do this creative piece. Uh, but what we've got is this full line of cleansing bars that are going to sit on the shelf in in all day, and it's going to look completely different to what everybody else is doing. Because we, it's difficult just finding it out with someone on a liquid cleanser or another moisturizer. It's like let's do what we're good at. Let's focus on that and really yeah. push that up. Yeah, I love that. Um, speaking of challenges, looking back on your your last couple of years, what's been the biggest challenge, and is there anything you would have done differently in retrospect? Yeah, I think challenges um, for for any founder um, when you really start to scale your brand, um, funding is always a challenge. Um, particularly in the last twenty four months, as probably every founder knows, it's incredibly difficult to uh, get money out of people. It's um, the market has been up and down. Um, uh, funds are incredibly risk averse at the moment. Um, we obviously went from you know starting twelve hundred stores of booths going all day. Then once you start getting into these three thousand pharmacy stores in the US, this is where the money comes in. You need deep, deep pockets to support this. You know, I think our initial stock to fill those stores was over half a million dollars. Um, it's a lot of money to lay out um, before you get that back. Um, so funding has always been a challenge. So for me, again, it's don't rush it. Don't stress yourself out too much. It's scale gently, really build that customer base, really build that community and really believe, build the belief in, you, in your brand and then start to, to, to scale up. Everybody gets excited when they start talking about multiples of stores. I was talking to a friend of mine last week. He's a founder and he's got a brand that's going to be launching into Target. And um he said, look, we've we been offered sort of um, 1,500 stores. And he said, he said, what do you think? I said, I said, don't do it. I said, don't do it. And thank, you know, he's actually asked for less stores. Do you, as a, sorry, going off on a tangent, I just have to ask a follow-up question to that. Do you have any, are you allowed to push back and be like, actually, we really prefer to go into 300? Is that even something that's a conversation that can be he, had? He, he, fortunately for him, he's done it. Um, me, I was the foolish one. I went, nah, give us a 3,000 stores. I didn't even think about it. Interesting, what we've learned, okay. Yeah, yeah. But I've learned this along the way. And then we've had some great advice from um, some, you know, some really good funds and some really great people. And that's the advice, we, advice we've had from everybody. Everybody said exactly the same thing. Don't go too big too soon. Really get in there, get your 200, 300 stores and really get them pumping, really get them working. And then that's when you can see the growth come out and there's less pressure on you, completely less pressure. So as challenges go, yeah, funding has always, always been the biggest one. It's always been the biggest one. Um, I've, I think in terms of scaling and building up, it'd be wonderful to have 15 people, um, you know, in your team. There's been seven of us. I think there's been seven of us for the last five years, I guess. If you get really great talent people who are super efficient and work really, really hard, you don't need 15 or 20 or 30 people. Um, but I think finding the right people who um, who have that energy and drive to get in there and get under the bonnet with you, that's key. And I'll be very, very lucky we've had the best the best team that we could have. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I'm sure a team that really loves and, and stands behind the brand, for sure. Um, 100%, 100%. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, what advice would you give your younger self? Slow down. <laughs> Slow down. Take your time and don't get too excited. And it's... Um, we, you know, I think it's when you had an, ex, you know, a product like ours, the, the charcoal tea tree oil cleanser bar that exploded the way it did. We were the most exciting thing in UK skincare that probably happened for a long time. Um, and um, it's it was easy to get carried away with how far and how quickly you could take it. 
Um, I think um, with in terms of the investors that I got involved with, they were super excited equally, and they want to see things move as quickly as possible. And I think on reflection now, I'll be like, Philip, just slow down a bit, take your time. Um, you can still get there. What's the term? It's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint, I believe it is, isn't it? Um, and I guess one of the things, you know, I, I'll... I'm always honest when when I first got into this and you you know when you see things blowing up and the stress that come out some days you feel like crying um but it has <laughs> been the but it's been the most rewarding experience um I've got to do the most incredible things you know I never you know you think one minute you're making bars of soap in your kitchen the next minute you sat meeting um a Lua magazine in World Trade Center in New York City it's like it's what's going on like it's wild it's wild and um so it's just been it's been wonderful so I, I don't regret anything i don't regret anything but i would just say just slow down a little bit yeah i love that thank you so much for for joining me in this conversation i guess for my final question what's next for yourself and the brand obviously you touched on it slightly but anything else you want to share absolutely so no yeah so we've got um you know lots of new product innovation coming from carbon theory um we're also opening up our european distribution channel so we're going to start I think one of the things that we did was we got excited about working with retailers directly, um, but it's incredibly difficult. Um, we now moving into Europe. We've got a big expansion happening in Europe. Um, we're going to be hopefully in another 20 countries over the next 12 months. I thought um, you just said you wanted to slow down. But no, but this is the thing. So this is the magic now. So we're handing okay. the reins over to distributors who uh, understand okay. the territory and who understand the market and triggers and the levers that they need to pull. And once we give them the product, now then it's their responsibility. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that. Um, beyond that, we've got, um, I've got a new company, which is called gymspin.com. Um, we have basically I've been working for the past couple of years on developing this incredible brand, and it is the world's greatest activewear detergent. I cannot tell you anything more about the fact of how great this product is. Um, that started in lockdown for me. I had some smelly um, compression <laughs> tops that um, Nike ones, of course. Um, and it's, you know, is this product fact, saving marriages all over the exactly. all over the world? Well, that was the thing. <laughs> the, the question was, why does this kit still stink after you've washed it? And I was like, there must be something better than this. So I went and started work with a lab um, in Europe, and we developed this most incredible formulation. Um, and Again, what the key was is that we developed to look like an athletic product. It looks like an athletic product. And we were invited by Nike um, to join them in their marquee at a half marathon in London. And everybody thought the product was a Nike product. And that's never been done before in its detergent. Like, you know, we try to make detergent cool. And I believe I believe that we've actually done that. So yeah, not only like have. Yeah, not only that, so we were invited by Gymshark to, um, to, to support their launch. We've done events with um, with Adidas and so all the big guys. So we've got this product primed and ready, and we're ready to take it um, into 2024. And um, we've got some really big plans uh, for Gym Spin. So we're going to be doing some exciting stuff with that. Awesome! Uh, for anyone listening who wants to find out more information on yourself and Carbon Theory and Gym Spin, where can I direct them? Um, you can send them to. I mean, obviously CarbonTheory.com, um, or you can follow me on Instagram at Soap Dog Taylor. <laughs> Thank you so. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Be sure to leave a review and subscribe to all future episodes. For show notes and resources mentioned, go to glamandgrow.co. This show was produced by Wavebreak. If you're an e-commerce marketing leader who wants to take your email and CRM program to the next level, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is brought to you by Wavebreak. Most brands don't email right and it costs them. With ad costs getting more and more expensive, a world-class email and SMS program is essential. This is why Wavebreak exists. We're the premier email and SMS marketing agency that helps brands take their retention programs to the next level. If you want to learn more about partnering with us and how we can help, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co slash call.